push. It was 99 cents. Copping it. All right. All right. All right. All right. Brandon and Greg here. Yep. Canada's worst hunters. Present. Just our first, first podcast ever. Just at the gas station getting some fuel. Camar, Alberta, heading west to the Rocky Mountains. We're going to try to make it there today. Today we're going for elk, hopefully, but won't pass on a deer, I would imagine. Oh, really either or. At this point in the season, when you start in the beginning of September with a bow and you don't have anything yet, you're almost willing to shoot your hunting partner. Been there. <laughs> Amen, brother. All right, so we're back on the road here, Brandon and Greg. Just very excited to head out hunting, of course, like every single day. First of all, to get started, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Jetboil. It's just this awesome little pot of goodness with a little flame under it. Greg just got it from his wife as a present. You want to describe what that's like there, Greg? Well, it's almost surreal. Um, it's a pot. It all folds down into one, so you can easily pack it around your backpack. It'll boil water in 100 seconds. And uh, you can cook with it. You can make coffee, uh, which certainly is fun when you're on a long, cold day if you're sitting, classing some hillsides. You want a hot cup of coffee? No problem. It's 100 seconds, and you got her. So pretty, pretty nifty thing. Pretty excited. Got it last night. Haven't uh, used it outside yet, but I played around with it in the kitchen. Seems pretty good. So the way these podcasts are going to work, we'll do one on the way into hunting and one on the way out. And on the way out, we'll let you guys know how this jet boil worked. That should be pretty cool. Give her a shot. Greg even got some coffee cups for us at the Calmar gas station. Really excited to see how that turns out. What do we want to accomplish on this podcast, Greg? Well, I think a few things. I think it's to promote people getting outdoors, trying new things. I like uh, that. I like that. Promote hunting. Um, probably a lot of people might be thinking about getting into hunting or they want to try something new. And this will kind of just be almost a beginner's guide to getting into hunting and uh, exploring the outdoors and just being more active in general. And this podcast is just gonna kind of log our, our journeys of, of how we're gonna get better at hunting and, and the ups and downs of, uh, of our times when we're out, out in the wilderness. Yeah, and even if people don't wanna get into hunting, I mean, that's fine. I just really wanna promote, you know, getting out in the outdoors, enjoying nature, even just getting close maybe to wild animals and enjoying how beautiful they really are is uh, really cool. So I think we hit that on the head real nice. Why is it beneficial to listen to this podcast? I think we hit that too. Yep. Just a couple Alberta boys. It's getting out, having a good time. Yep. Getting out there. Just got to do it. Got to force yourself to get out there. So our topic we're going to go into is how to pass a little Jeep on a highway. Gas pedal's on the right, buddy! 
Anyhow, our history with hunting, Greg. Uh, Greg has a little longer of history than I do. This is only my second year. I'm uh, enjoying it very, very much. Not enjoying the early snowfall. Um, I guess the benefits to an early snowfall is just to see the tracks, see how much wildlife there is in a certain area. You're able to see that a little better than if there's no snow. But we haven't really been out yet in the snow. We're coming across some more snow as we drive out west here. What, what's the what's one of the fondest memories you've probably had, Greg? hunting so far like in your hunting career we'll call it uh, I don't know I probably don't have as good of stories as a lot of guys because I haven't been doing it that long uh, I there's a couple there's a couple that stand out to me one is with Brandon here um, one day we were hunting we were bow hunting in a, some farmers fields and we split up we did our hunt for the evening and we agreed to meet back in one corner of the field before we hiked out together. And as I'm standing there waiting for Brandon, I see two black bears running towards me. Little did I know Brandon had encountered these bears prior to that, which I'll get into in a second, but these bears were running towards me. And so I wasn't expecting it because we're in a farmer's field. I didn't think there were black bears out there. But anyways, they came barreling in, so I, I raised my bow above my head and, and shouted, and they, of course, they were terrified, so they, they turned the opposite direction by our fence, and they kind of made some grunt sounds as they went and hit that thing. I, they hit it pretty good, so I'm sure it hurt them a little bit, but anyways, they didn't get tangled up in or anything, they, and then they just kept running right off into the woods, and uh, yeah, it was a cool experience, and like I say, it was... It wasn't. It was just in farmers' fields. It wasn't like we were way out in the backcountry or anything like that. But you can have cool experiences like that, not far from home. Where if you just get out, if you just get outside, force yourself to go, you'll you will experience cool things like that, and you'll see things that you were not expecting, and you'll have a lot of really good memories just from getting out there. Is it better in a video game, Greg? Way better. <laughs> So uh, let me tell you my side of the story, I guess. Is that okay, Greg? Oh yeah. Okay. So I was just uh, leaving. Greg left ahead of me, covering more ground separately. That's a that's a good point. We'll cover that one day. You know, it's nice hunting with your buddy sometimes, but sometimes you just got to break apart. So well, this is what Greg did. You know, he had, he had started heading back to the truck about 15 minutes ahead of where I was. And then I headed back after him. Came up, was on this trail. I could see probably about 100 yards down around the corner. There was two black shadows. Two black shadows. And I didn't know what these things were. I was like, what? Is there two people out here that are wearing black clothing or what? So I get a little closer, and sure enough, there's two black bears. These two black bears are there. And. It was epic. I, I was downwind from them, so they couldn't smell me. They didn't really know I was coming. You know, and as stealthy as I am, you know, they definitely couldn't hear me. Right. <laughs> right. 
So anyhow, I get closer. Probably, probably got 50, 60 yards before they saw me. I had my bear spray on me, ready, on my side. And I had my bow loaded. And finally, the one saw me, stood up on its hind legs to get a better look at what I was, who I was. And so I just waved my bow in the air like a, my good instructor would tell me what to do. You know, you want to make yourself really big uh, when it comes to black bears, of course, not grizzlies necessarily, maybe, but um, yeah. So they just took off towards Greg. And I thought this was hilarious because you're going to have, imagine yourself in Greg's shoes. You're sitting in this field and there's two black bears barreling down towards you because they just took off to the other corner of that field. And animals are um, so smart. Like typically even a deer might even do this, but those bears, they staggered over to the woods, went around a section of trees and then headed across. They didn't bolt right across the middle of a field, um, which I thought was really interesting for black bears. Like they wanted to keep their cover is kind of like... Yeah, like they kept their cover. They didn't fully expose themselves even when there was danger right behind them, yeah. supposedly to them, like that was myself. Um, so I, I don't know. I thought that was really cool. Uh, then they took off. They barreled underneath. What I saw was underneath that um, barbed wire fence. And they just made a ruckus running through that bush. It was so cool. And then they they bolted up a tree and climbed it, like, amazingly fast. So, yeah, that was a really cool experience. That night, it was, like, two hours of hunting. We saw... 11 deer so, yeah. a skunk approached greg yeah, which we'll probably post on our up and coming instagram yeah yeah that was uh probably an epic story yeah that was cool last year it was unexpected and and it was awesome that was probably our most epic hunting story that we can think of off the top of our heads right now um, some other memorable things that have happened this year to us is being able to start calling elk and to get a response uh, by means of a bugle or some chuckles and to be able to communicate Greg and his buddy Joel have really been able to get some bull elks moving towards themselves um, in our area out by the Genesee power plant west of the Duke that we've been hunting elk in. I think there's a high volume of people that hunt elk out there, especially there's a few local farmers around, a few people that own land right around the area we hunt. So, and I think they do it, you know, throughout the rut every day. So when you're hunting elk in that kind of volume with that kind of heavy volume of people around they're a bit more shy and they don't like to move as much they can kind of pick out a fake call it seems like a lot easier i don't know you want to chime in on that greg that's kind of what i'm thinking for the area we've been in but yeah no that's exactly right i i think those elk they've been 
they've been called in and seen humans uh, t in times past. So they're they're very aware that when they hear an elk call, for instance, a bull, if you make a cow call, that bull is thinking, okay, this is maybe a female elk or it's a hunter. He's very well aware that it could be either or. So they come in, they are not as worked up and anxious to come in or fast to come in or break cover as other areas. And we notice that right off the bat. We, we, it's very obvious that these things have been hunted and hunted hard in the past. Yeah, and it's very frustrating for hunters. You get a response like that, you know roughly where they are or can even tell maybe they're 100 or 200 yards away, but they're not going to move. And they're in this tight, tight bush where you're never going to get a shot off at them. You're barely going to see them because you start moving in the bush towards them, which is probably what we should have done. But it's just so hard to... <laughs> To get those kind of elk that that pressure to move yeah for instance i'll give you guys a quick i went out there one evening i made a quick cow call and a, uh, an, a bull elk started screaming and he's and i called back and he started screaming he was coming towards me and he wouldn't break cover and he took off um and i could hear him chuckling as he ran he was going the opposite direction he didn't see me he didn't smell me for sure um and I'm, I'm almost thinking now that it's because I was using uh, a hoochie, which everybody knows that's that really common calf or uh, cow elk call. Now, interestingly though, I was using that one evening with Brandon, didn't get a response. Brandon started using and practicing with uh, reed calls. Where you diaphragm. Can, di or diaphragm calls. Yeah. And he practiced with them and he got really good with them pretty quickly actually. And just by using more emotion in the call, he got a response in an area that I couldn't. I was using that little hoochie and I was doing it, nothing. Didn't didn't hear a thing. He was going with his diaphragm calls and, and making longer and a longer cow call than I would suspect would work. And sure enough, a bull was replying to him and it was chuckling back. So he was communicating with the bull, but again, he just wouldn't break cover. He stood a little ways back in the bush and he just wouldn't step out in that field. But it is interesting. It's a good note to know that just practice, just try different things. Cause I personally, I wouldn't have, I would have just stuck with my hoochie and kept trying. Brandon went out on a limb, tried something different and it's worked. And, and actually that, that same scenario happened to us twice where I was trying to call, nothing would respond. Brandon tried his diaphragm calls and got a response. So, yeah, just practice up, try try new things. Rocky Mountain Elk Calls, diaphragm calls, you can pick them up at Cabela's. They're like $7 for a little call that you start squealing. Uh, they have tutorials on YouTube. It's like a musical instrument, takes a bit, a lot of practice. But like, yeah, to be honest, it only took me a couple weeks. And then you have to perform under pressure too when you know there's elk in the area you make a bunch of bad calls for a couple days but then all of a sudden you'll start getting responses and then yeah now it's just it's i would say it's pretty flawless like i don't make a super bad call but yeah super fun super fun to to learn and to be able to communicate with these beautiful animals 
that make the coolest sound that I've heard of in the wild that most Albertans don't even know elk make these sounds, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Very exciting. Uh, so that's kind of a pros and cons, like, to be able to talk to that elk, con, going into an area where a lot of human pressure. So that could be very frustrating with elk. So we're heading out, uh, just drove into Drayton Valley here. Probably pick up some KFC after, right, Greg? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some dirty bird. <laughs> Man, that KFC was good a couple weeks ago. Saw 31 deer last time we were out here. How many uh, did we get, Brandon? How many did we bag and take home? We bagged, let me tell you, a big goose egg. That's Zero. True. Yeah. It was really disappointing. Um, just, yeah, everything was uh, running from us. Mm-hmm. But uh, we brought the quieter truck today, so that might help. <laughs> yeah. The diesel... Uh, Straight piped doesn't help. The whistle off the turbo. Yeah, it just I don't think that helps. So we got uh we've got Greg's nice comfy truck here, so I think that, that might make a difference. Yeah. But it's gonna hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and we did we got we got a response from an Elko here last time too. Yeah. Yeah. But and you know what? When a side note when we tried calling that elk last time when we rode here, it, it seemed like an area that I just wouldn't think an elk would be. It, it, it was just, mm-hmm. it didn't seem yeah. like any game would really be there, but we just, we just, we tried. And sure enough, within a minute, there was an elk calling back and, and close too. Uh, definitely less than a hundred yards, probably yeah. more like 70, 60 yards. So, uh, you never you just gotta try you never know what's gonna happen yeah I think that's the biggest thing with hunting like that we've learned probably within the last couple years uh hunting that natural area where you can only bow hunt on is just if something's not working you gotta switch it up you gotta try something else if you keep on doing the same thing you're gonna produce the same results yeah which is a goose egg nothing yeah absolutely nothing like yeah you may produce a chance here or there come across something but whoopity do like switch it up go somewhere different you're gonna learn way more you're gonna have way more options of areas to hunt in and so that's what we're doing we're driving now another 45 minutes maybe to an hour even further and we're gonna we're gonna be more successful because of that yeah yeah, new places, new tactics, try it and move, you know, don't be afraid to, to, to explore new areas that you, you know, looking at a map, it doesn't tell you a whole lot. When you get out there and you see it with your own eyes, it makes a big difference. So don't be afraid to explore new areas, check out new areas and, uh, you know, you can be rewarded for that for sure. Yeah. So we got a little sidetracked there from our, uh, you know, we're just really passionate elk hunters. We're going to talk a little more about our history, though. Uh, Really started only hunting elk last year, right, Greg? Yeah. With a bow, with a bow. So that's about 10 times harder than a rifle. Yeah. 
depending how you do it. There's some guys that claim that it's easier, but you need a calling sequence and whatnot, whatnot, whatnot. And you got to get that all figured out. Which we're working on it. We're working on it. So a little history. Uh, I do not have my rifle license. Um, I'm only a bow hunter for two years here. Last year I shot two deer. And we have seen five deer already on our drive. Same field, same field. We saw the first five last time. So yeah, bow hunter for two years. Two deer last year. Goose egg this year so far. Uh, Greg, how about yourself? What's your little history about uh, archery and rifle? Well, uh, similar to you, I, I actually got into hunting, uh, bow hunting first. Um, just two friends of mine uh, were getting into it. They asked me to come along, so I said, sure. I went out, bought a bow. I had no idea what I was doing. Went to the store, bought a bow. Went out with them a few times. They only hunted that once, one year, and they gave up on it. So they, it's kind of funny. Losers. Yeah. They got me involved, and then they they just kind of abandoned ship. But uh, I loved it. And I hunted for at least a year. I can't remember if it's a year or two years, basically by myself. Um, and then That's hardcore, man. That's real hardcore. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's probably stupid because I was driving way out, way out of cell phone range all the time by myself. Um, probably not the safest, but it's not, you know, whatever. It's it was. People do it all the time, though. Yeah, exactly. Lots of people hunt by themselves way out in the middle of nowhere. And um, my probably biggest problem was I was just a very inexperienced hunter doing it. Which, um, so I don't know if I'd recommend it if you're new to it, but. So talking about a little of the history, initially, Greg, what what do you think about, uh, you know, you hear all these things about wind direction and, you know, from experienced hunters. What do you think about that initially when you started? Okay, um, some guys I, I hunted with first said wind isn't a big deal. And I remember reading online that guys would be like, oh, wind is a, you know, wind is everything. If, you, if you're downwind of the animal... Um, it's not going to work out. It's totally... Wind is everything. That's what I've learned. Um, you cannot... You will absolutely be unsuccessful if you don't play the wind right. And that's something I kind of had to... You know, get that out of my head. That wind matters. And scent control, I'm sure it helps. I've talked to uh, another guide who guides up uh, in the ter- Northwest Territories, and they don't use any scent control whatsoever. They just play the wind, and they are very successful at it. So I. And how long are those guys in there clothes for? Do you think they smell lovely? The one guy said he didn't shower for 33 days straight when he was out guiding. Yeah. So, uh, and they shoot a lot of animals, don't they? Yeah, 100% success rate, moose and sheep, and they uh, do the occasional grizzly hunt. But, uh, yeah, very successful guys. Certainly guys you can trust, that's for sure. Yeah, so that's one thing I think we stepped up our game this year on is uh, scent and not scent control. Tried to bought all that stuff last year. That was a bunch of hogwash. Yeah. Get in wind direction right. Get your puffer bottles. Really cheap at Cabela's. Put it in your pocket. Use it. Just puff, puff, puff. Get your wind direction right if you're... If you're walking, 
with the wind, you know, it's going right to the animal. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. And they, they will absolutely run from that smell. Very rarely will an animal smell a human and not be worried about it. They, they don't just, they don't just get a little on, on alert. They take off running. So you're going to be very unsuccessful and see very little game unless you play the wind. There's a good six inches of snow out here, Gregory. Yep. Just past Brazo Dam. It's uh, turning into a bluebird kind of day. Yeah. Evening. Clearing up nice. Yeah. We're going to do a few shots with the rifle here quick, hopefully. And uh, it's going to be like the first time I shot a bow. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. There's not that bad. So we'll check in on the way home on our epic hunt and uh, get back to you guys soon. Bye. Peace. All right, so we're here in the truck. It's about 5.30. Got uh, two more hours left to hunt and made some elk calls. We are trying out the Jet Max 10,000. What's it called? Jet Boil. Jet Boil. Flash 2.0. It should be called the Jet Max 10,000, but... We're making some coffee, boys. It's going to be epic. Fresh coffee. Even if we don't get anything today, like, this is the highlight right now. It is actually pretty cold out here. There's, like, there's still six inches of snow on the ground at least. They might have got a foot overnight because it's settled and it's sticky. And... Yep. A little, oh. little breeze going to the east. So, oh, you hear that? Just filling up the old jet boil here with Water. Water. Only two cups. For now. Do up another boil if we have to. No problem. Alright. Let's fire this bad boy up. Hear the sound of this thing. Uh oh, fuel in the truck. Oh baby! Try open the windows just a little just in case we don't die. There's already bubbles coming out of the water. That is quick. Not slow. Okay, we'll tell you how it goes, the coffee. Well, we finished our hunt today. Yep. Um, here with Gregory and Bran is here. Great, great hunt. Didn't see a single track. Nope. Lots of snow. Yep. Fresh snow. Everything is a little cold, still bedded down, obviously. We found some epic, epic stuff in 328. You know, and I, I just wanted to set the record straight here, Greg. I hope you're on the same page. We didn't really talk about this, but on this podcast, I just want to be open and honest. All right. Where we're hunting, how we're hunting, where we're doing it. Just because if we don't have success, there's no point in other people coming out. Right. Like, they got to go find their other areas. Right. Do you... You know, you yeah. want to chime in on this? Like, oh yeah, I agree. Uh, like, this is sharing. This yeah. is a sharing moment. They, they, you know, even on the on some hunting shows you watch, they they show the general area where they're hunting, and I think that's great. I think it's encouraging for people to see how close some of these places are to home and how easy they are to get to, and how unsuccessful you can be. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
But great spots, openers. Uh, we headed uh, east of the reserve there, south of the Brazo Dam, and it was epic what yeah. we saw. Uh, and then we cut south back to Nordeg, and now we're just on the highway. It's a little icy and dicey. Yes. So we're going to head back out there sometime in the future. Yeah. We don't know. Probably definitely next year for elk hunt. Definitely in the rut, for sure. Oh, boy. Um, it's a great area. There's You can get out of your truck and hike miles, and, and you're in the hills. Uh, all public land. All public land. Um, one thing that's interesting, you can also rifle hunt an elk September 17th on, which is a pretty rare. Uh, it has to be a three-point elk, or a three-point bull, but that's, uh, you know, that's not bad at all. That's beautiful. Like, even in the States, I don't think anywhere in the States you can hunt with a rifle in the rut. Mm -hmm. Like, that's pretty much unheard of. Right. So, just phenomenal. Now, whether you can locate them or not, well, that's a different story. Yeah, definitely. So, in this podcast, we just want to give some quality information. What have we learned today, Greg, about the area we were in, um, our scouting, it kind of turned from a hunt into scouting more. So yeah. we didn't see any tracks. So you go to a different spot, you look at all these areas, and nothing was moving. It was just bedded down. Yeah. And I feel like I'm repeating myself, but <laughs> that's just how it goes from day to day. Uh, one day you'll see uh, tons of deer. Last time we were out just a few miles from here, well, a few miles from where we started, and we seen 30 deer in one evening. Today we only seen five on the way in. Yeah. And in the area we were actually hunting, we seen zero. We didn't see any deer, no elk, no, not even any tracks. So it, it's just the way it goes. They were bedded down today. So, but that's the whole thing. You can't, you can't get down on yourself. You know, we're, we're pretty excited. We've seen some new country and we had a great time. We used the jet boil, made ourselves some good coffees. By the way, that thing works really nicely. And uh, it was a great time. Alright, so I think it's time to wrap up our first podcast. So we're going to start winding it down here. We don't want to take too much more of everybody's precious time. We're going to sum up the hunt. Came in off the reserve uh, into 328 and we just started driving. Beautiful road. Beautiful road for a back road. Yep. Uh, went off on a little road. Set up in a clear-cut zone we Greg was just craving a warm drink so we made a coffee there yeah it was great and Greg also bought a nice little decoy from Cabela's that uh, we unfolded we stuck it on the side of the truck hung it from the antenna on the passenger side and then I was calling out of the window as we're making coffee like it's pretty epic minus five you know story and really time that we had yeah great um just black just black coffee today yeah greg didn't have the creamer right he likes cream he likes a lot of cream guilty <laughs> no response from the elk we're in post rut now but you know what you gotta try if you don't try you don't succeed yeah 
drove to more some more clear cuts just scouting is unbelievable for rifle in those areas it's just a dream it was nice yeah and it was nice to get into some country with some hills a lot of the country we hunt uh very flat so it was interesting to be able to get up uh gain some elevation be able to see you know long distance a lot of uh tree lines um you know it's great to see new new country so we really enjoyed it definitely worth coming out here we didn't see anything like we said but uh, we had a great time I think we're gonna start uh, using my GoPro to do the podcast in the truck yeah I mean it's gonna be hard after dark to yeah really do that but then we're gonna incorporate some of the hunting into the podcast yep the drive back the roads looked actually beautiful once we got on the highway in Nordic but the roads are actually very icy there was black ice everywhere so if you can always do a brake check if no one's behind you you know hit those brakes either you you know you're gonna stop or you're not gonna stop and we had someone come up flying behind us and we were we could feel the truck moving a bit and we're like what is going on it is black ice there was black ice everywhere the whole highway was glazed but it wasn't shiny and you could just you couldn't see it yeah it was actually freaky Especially, you know, the October, November, and you're on the edge of the mountains. Yeah. You got that snow in the ditch. Just just stomp on those brakes and check them. That's your safety check of the day. <laughs> yes, right it there. Is. Yes, it is. Oh, man. Yeah. I just, that guy didn't go in the ditch that flew by us, but I mean, I'm sounding old, but he was going fast. He's going too fast. So, we'd like to thank our sponsor for the day. Anything else you'd like to add to the podcast for the day any pro tips i don't think i have any tips for today um get out in the nature though get out in nature and you explore don't you'll see something cool you'll you'll won't regret it i don't think we've ever had a day that we've gone out hunting uh, successful or, or unsuccessful and regretted it i don't yeah. think i've ever regretted a single day in the field that's true and, i would agree yeah the more you go out, the more stories you're going to have, the more fun you're going to have. I think that's uh, pretty much it, eh? Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to our first podcast. Appreciate it. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Jetboil. Thank you, Jetboil. It's Jetboil, right? Yeah. Okay. We're going to look forward to getting our second Jetboil soon. It's supposed to be coming in the mail for this uh, podcast being done. <laughs> Anyhow. Take care, guys. Peace. Peace.